0: three
1: two one here we go broadcasting to the four corners of the conservative universe it's
0: the matlock show he loves all things conservative politics and if there's a microphone nearby you can bet he'll be the one beating the left over the head with it and now a true original the common sense conservative here's your host matlock Oh, we're back after it today. It is Tuesday. God, I'm in a good mood. Got the first Matlock show out yesterday. I have to thank all of you. You went to Spreaker and blew it up. Thank you so much for listening, for sharing, for putting it out there. For doing all the things you did yesterday, I certainly appreciate it. The Matlock Show is back. I am Matlock, your host. Find me over on Twitter, at RealMatLock. That's also my Instagram and my parlor handle. Go like the page, The Cartel Matt or The Matlock Show over on Facebook. Or, I'll tell you what you should do. Head over to thematlockshow.com. My website. You guys are blowing that up. I had about, I don't know, seven or eight hundred visitors on that yesterday. Thank you so much. TheMatlockShow.com, L O C K E. You can listen to the show from there. You can subscribe to the monthly newsletter. There are all kinds of things you can do over at theMatlockShow.com. So, updates. Got some updates today. Uh, The Epstein story is only getting crazier. Monday, or I'm sorry, Friday was the fifth anniversary of Ferguson, Missouri. Remember? Hands up. Don't shoot. And, of course, every, well, I shouldn't say every because there's like 300,000 Democrat uh, candidates running for president. But uh, several of them decided they were going to pander, they were going to make light of it, and they took to Twitter, and we're going to talk about that. Um, Donald Trump strikes again. He's telling these immigrants that if – you want green cards? You better be self sufficient and you better be able to speak English. Oh my gosh, we're going to get into that. And then in the program, we're going to talk about all of Joe Biden's gaffes because, you know, they're plentiful. I've got about a three and a half minute clip. That's just unbelievable. Um, wow, the guy is a walking gaff a minute. But uh, head over to scarsandstripescoffee.com S C A R S, stripes. Coffee.com, veteran-owned and operated. Uh, they empower veterans. They empower veterans to build their own business using an e-commerce marketing platform. When you purchase from Scars and Stripes Coffee, you are buying from a veteran. It's it's amazing. Veterans have the opportunity to make an income by selling Scars and Stripes Coffee. Veterans who sign up get unique codes whenever customers order coffee, shirts, or gear. The veteran earns commission. Customers who order without a specific veteran code will enter the code VET, V E T, and that commission will be distributed among the veteran team members. It's roasted in the USA. It's high quality. It's great coffee. I've had the chance to try it. They've just come out with some new brands. If you go to their website, it is Scars and Stripes coffee.com, scarsandstripescoffee.com. They've got an espresso blend. They've got a downrange. They've got a first light and they've got a green zone coffee. Go check it out. Scars and stripescoffee.com proud sponsor of the matlock show thank you so much scars and stripes love those guys love veterans you know where my heart lies and uh let's help these let's help these veterans if you can find a, a, a sale uh, a veteran in your area that is selling scars and stripes coffee look him or her up buy it from them help them out they're building their business they're building a team they have a mission it's fantastic all right now we're making radio great again welcome in to the matlock Show. Um, Jeffrey Epstein. There's some updates on uh, Jeffrey Epstein. We now know that the FBI is searching his Hawaiian island, this uh, little St. James Island, down by St. Thomas. I find it odd. They've had him in custody now since what? Uh, Beginning of July. Now he's dead, supposedly. We're going to go with that story for now. But why would you wait? to go down and search his island. The FBI says agents are on the grounds of the U.S. Virgin Island's home of accused sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein. The Bureau confirmed to Fox News that agents were at his little St. James Island home in St. Thomas, but did not provide us any details. The Notorious Island took on a string of nicknames over the years, including Pedophile Island and Orgy Island. Now, as I said yesterday, as I covered in the Epstein suicide, murder, whatever the hell you want to call it, watch. I covered all of the theories I thought were out there. And I told you, did he He could have committed suicide. Um, He could have been killed or murdered. It might have been the Russians. Or he faked his death and he may not be dead at all. I mean, that, those are the four possibilities I talked about yesterday. You're going to have to go back to Spreaker.com or iTunes, or iHeart, or Google Podcast, or Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And you have to listen to what my theories were yesterday, because I'm not going to go back into that. But we're hearing new stories out today. I've got the Drudge Report up here in front of me, which I find unbelievable. But uh, they're talking about uh, shrieking was heard from his cell. And we are now being told from the New York Compost that jeffrey epstein hung himself now we we knew that yesterday we, we we knew that was the possibility but yesterday i said on the program okay what was was there something around his neck when you entered the cell i mean is this that hard of a question you know why why are we having problems with this so we found out that jeffrey epstein was found hanging in his lower manhattan jail cell with a bed sheet wrapped around his neck and secured to a top of the bunk bed that was in his cell. Now it says the convicted pedophile, who was six feet tall, apparently killed himself by kneeling toward the floor and strangling himself with the makeshift noose, law enforcement sources said on Monday. He hadn't been checked on for several hours, sources say. Epstein was unresponsive when he was discovered in a cell. So now we know that he hung himself with a bed sheet. That's the official line. That's the official story that everybody seems to be going with. So we're going to stick with that for now. We haven't gotten a cause of death, which this is, I want you to ask this question. I said this yesterday. If he hung himself, isn't a fix, asphyxiation the cause of death? He lacked oxygen. He hung himself. I mean, why is the coroner or why is the M.E., the medical examiner, saying, That he or she does not have enough information to tell you what happened with Jeffrey Epstein. It just doesn't make any sense. So, another story out today. CBS this morning, shrieking heard from Jeffrey Epstein's jail cell. Now, do people who are trying to kill themselves shriek? I want you to think about that for a second. You want to end your life. You're going to wrap that bed sheet around your neck, you're going to tie it off on the bunk, and you're going to lean forward, and you're going to close your eyes, you're going to go to sleep, and you're never going to wake up, right? You're not shrieking. What, wh- why would you shriek? I mean, seriously. Why would you shriek? Only if you were under duress, you were trying to protect yourself, you didn't want to die, I don't know. I mean, shrieking? Come on. On the morning of Jeffrey Epstein's death, there was shouting and shrieking from his jail cell. A source familiar with the situation told CBS News, corrections officers attempted to revive him while saying, breathe, Epstein, breathe. Really? The, The crazier and farther along this gets, the more... I'm beginning to wonder. You know, this is how conspiracy theories start. Now, on top of all this, the final article up on Drudge in short staffed jail, Epstein was left alone for hours. The guard was a substitute. One of the two people guarding Jeffrey Epstein when he apparently hanged himself in a federal jail cell was not a full fledged correctional officer. And neither guard had checked on Epstein for several hours before he was discovered by prison and law enforcement officials. Those details emerged on Monday as Attorney General William Barr sharply criticized the management of the federal jail in Manhattan, where Mr. Epstein was accused of sexually abusing dozens of teenage girls was found dead on Saturday morning. (laughs) says, quote, we are now learning of serious irregularities at this facility that are deeply concerning and demand a thorough investigation, said Mr. Barr, who as the country's top law enforcement official is responsible. For federal prisons. Of course he is. And now we see that the FBI is on the grounds of his Virgin Island home. Now, this is quite interesting. Now, Epstein started transforming Little St. James Island after he bought it more than two decades ago. Clearing the native vegetation, wringing the property with towering palm trees, and planting two massive U.S. flags on either end. He also built a stone mansion with cream-colored walls and a bright turquoise roof surrounded by several other structures, including the maid's quarters and a massive square-shaped white building on one end of the island. Workers there, the Associated Press reports, told each other it was a music room fitted with a grand piano and acoustic walls whose gold dome flew off during the deadly 2017 hurricane season. Now, that's the dome we know as the Sex Palace. The employee who spoke to Bloomberg said when Epstein visited the property would walk around shirtless in shorts and flip-flops, I don't know if they were combat flip-flops, we'll talk about them later, and had a rule that he should never catch sight of the staffers who maintained the place. Sometimes the employees added women would sunbathe topless or in the nude around a pool near the island's main residence. Many people who work for Epstein on the island told AP last month that they had signed long non-disclosure non-disclosure agreements. One former employee who declined to be identified said Epstein once had five boats, including a large ferry in which he transported up to 200 workers from St. Thomas to his Island every day for construction work. Cause it's the small Island off of St. Thomas. There's the big, uh, there's the big, uh, little, I, I, I looked it up last night. There's St. James Island. Then there's little St. James Island. Then there's St. Thomas. So they're on the Island. What they're going to find, who the hell knows? Is there going to be more information coming out? More than likely. Um, I don't think this is over by any means of the imagination. Um, Attorney General Barr said, we're going to go after the co-conspirators. I talked about this yesterday. Is this going to die with Jeffrey Epstein's death? I don't think so. It will be interesting to see what they do with this as time goes on. But that is a quick update. I want to get to the meat of the program today because on Friday, Friday, which seems like so long ago now and in the news cycle world that we live in. I mean, jeez, Louise, the news, it just goes, it comes fast and furious. Fifth anniversary of Michael Brown's death in Ferguson on Friday, fifth, it's been five years. Isn't that something? I mean, time flies. We're already at August 13th. We're halfway through the month of August. We are flying through the year 2019, but five-year anniversary of black teen Michael Brown. And you remember the gentle giant? The hands up, don't shoot. I remember the 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 Rams. Oh, they come out, and they have their hands up, and they were acting. Oh, you know, we're in unison because they were in St. Louis at the time, and this was Ferguson, Missouri. So they were doing their best to, you know, portray the fact, and so was the mainstream media, that this gentle giant was slaughtered or murdered by a police officer. Now, Brown, Michael Brown, who is black, remember that, was unarmed when he shot and killed when he was shot and killed by Darren Wilson a white police officer back in 2014 it sparked national protest over police brutality and marked the beginning of the black lives matter movement now if you'll remember brown had tried or did commit theft at a local convenience store brown who was 6'4" 65 and 300 plus pounds And Mr. Wilson, who was five, eight, or nine and a buck sixty, seventy, you know, Mr. Brown charged. Well, I should say Michael Brown. I don't know if it's Mr. I don't know if I want to go that far. Charged Officer Wilson, tried to take his gun from him, broke his orbital bone, beat the living hell out of this police officer before Officer Wilson fired upon him and killed him. Now, this went to court, and Officer Wilson was, uh, exonerated of all charges so you know we've got this story we've got the black lives matter movement stemming from there and now <laughs> it's interesting because the democrats um elizabeth warren kamala harris and several others kirsten Gildebrand, have taken to twitter i'm gonna talk about that for a minute they're pandering They're pandering to the black vote, and you should hear what they're saying about the anniversary of Michael Brown. So it says, quote, we would be honored to have you join us to commemorate the tragic loss of Mike Jr. that shook the world, to acknowledge the healing that has taken place this far, and to unite with us for the change we still work to see. The Michael Brown Chosen for Change or Foundation, the organization behind the exhibit, said in a statement. Now, there's an exhibit there. It's open Friday from 1 to 6, and from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. That was over the weekend. The tribute is one of the many events planned to mark the city's fifth annual Michael Brown Memorial Weekend, a three-day celebration organized by the foundation, which was established by Brown's father, Michael Brown Sr. Okay, so you've got a weekend. I'm okay with that. If you want to commemorate your son, fine. He's your son. I get it. You loved him. He was your blood. Uh, He broke the law. Do I feel bad that he had to die? Of course I do. You know, everybody's life is valuable. Every every human being on this planet ought to have the ability to live their life, ought to have the ability to grow old. But, you know, you make choices. You make choices in your life that come with consequences. We, We know what happened with Officer Wilson and Michael Brown. We know Officer Wilson had no other choice than to defend himself. He got the living hell beat out of him by a suspect that was much bigger than he was. And we know what the result of that shooting was. I mean, Ferguson was on fire. We got the start of the Black Lives Matter. Here we are five years later, still dealing with the idiocy. We saw the five cops who were shot here in Dallas with the Black Lives Matter you know, parade or, or, or the whatever it was, celebration. I mean, we, we, we've watched the animosity. We've watched this Black Lives Matter uh, group gin up hatred, and we watched our former president, Barack Hussein Obama, go right along with it. Now, I've got an article here from Diane over at PatriotRetort.com. If you're not reading PatriotRetort.com, you should be. PatriotRetort, R-E-T-O-R-T.com. She is fantastic. But her headline is Panderfest 2019. She wrote this last Friday. says, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to PanderFest 2019. The competition is fierce as the 2020 Democrat presidential candidates vie for the title of chief panderer of the black vote in the most horrifying ways imaginable. See, when the first Democrat debates happened, how many of them spoke Spanish? Pandering. You know, they're pandering to Hispanics. They're pandering to minority groups. They think this is the way to win an election. So now what are they doing? They have to get back in the good graces of the black community because they know, the Democrats understand, that they cannot win if they don't get a bigger percentage of the black vote than they, than they have right now. That's why they're all, I mean, you know, this whole Frito deal, I don't know if you've seen this thing with Chris Col- Chris Cuomo. You know, if you've watched The Godfather, Frito's the dumb, you know, second brother who can't get anything done. But now Chris Cuomo's like, oh, you know, that's it's like the N word. It's like racist for Italians. No, stupid. It means you're just dumb. <laughs> I, you know, these liberals, they they, they want to glom onto anything. They want to make you think that they are the victim. I'm so tired of this victimhood mentality, and this is the Democrat left. This is the Democrat candidates that are running for president. They don't have a platform to run on, so they're going to tell you they're the victim. And to be the victim, they got to reach out to other victim classes. They have to be down with the struggle. So here you go, the Panderfest 2019. You know, they're, they're, they're all vying for the title of chief panderer for the black vote. If you were unfortunate enough to watch even a few minutes of cable news on Friday, you know that it was the five-year anniversary of the death of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. And in an effort to get the edge in PanderFest 2019, presidential hopefuls, without the sense God gave them, decided to land on the death of Michael Brown like flies on a pile of dog poop. Here's Kirsten Gilderbrand. Here's 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 what Chris, Kirsten Gilderbrand said this very thing on Twitter. I want you to listen to this. She says, five years ago, a Ferguson police officer killed Michael Brown, an unarmed teenager. <laughs> he shot him six times. Nothing will bring Michael back, but we can't stop fighting the injustice done to his family and so many others. And until we do better, we're failing them. So not terrible. You know, he did kill Michael Brown. I mean, he's dead. That, that's the term. He, Michael Brown is no longer among the living, so he, he killed him. Um, he was unarmed. He's also 6'5 and 300 pounds and beat the holy hell out of Officer Wilson, who was defending himself and went to court, and the court said, no, no, you were well within your rights to defend yourself. So, not completely off base, but it's as if Kirsten Gilderbrand has no earthly idea what happened. On August 9th of 14, she leaves out a few important details. For example, Michael Brown was an unarmed teenager. He beat the living but Jesus out of Officer Wilson in an attempt to get his gun from him. He fractured the bones of Wilson's face, gave him a blowout orbital fracture, and even attempted to shoot him, Officer Wilson, with his own gun. You know, police officers get shot with their own gun a lot. It's sad, but true. I looked it up. It's more frequent than you would think. Police officers get killed with their own firearm. Not a good thing. Uh, but you wouldn't know any of that from reading Miss Gilderman's tweet. You'd get the impression that poor, victimized Michael Brown, this unarmed teenager, was just ambling down the street when a rabid racist cop shot him six times for no reason. While this might have been a great tweet to send five years ago, both the DOJ and a grand jury cleared Wilson of any wrongdoing. Tweeting it on the five-year anniversary is all kinds of stupid. Uh, But it's pandering. They have to pander. They have to do this. They don't have a choice. But Kirsten, saddled with her white privilege, believes that by promoting the now-debunked fictional narrative that resulted in Ferguson burning to the ground is a great way to pander to black votes. So in this year's PanderFest, Kirsten's lame attempt only rates a 6 out of 10, according to Diane. However, she says two two points must be automatically removed from that score to make up for Kirsten's white privilege. Therefore, her Panderfest score is only a 4. Now, Kamala Harris decided she was going to jump in the mix here. And on the bright side, she's going to brag. You know, between bragging about pot smoking and Tupac listening. Kamala's been showing great form in the weeks leading up to Panderfest 2019. Here's what she said. Michael Brown's murder. Now, what's wrong with that? He wasn't murdered. He was killed. Self-defense. The DOJ and grand jury cleared Officer Wilson of that. He was not murdered. He was killed. Michael Brown's murder forever changed Ferguson in America. His tragic death sparked a desperately needed conversation and a nationwide movement. We must fight for stronger accountability and racial equity in our justice system. See, it's about, oh, you know, I, I say this all the time. If you don't want to go to jail, don't break the law. Seriously. If you don't want to go to jail, don't break the law. Because if you don't break the law, you're not going to go to jail. It's just that simple. I mean, I don't know how to make it any more. I don't know how to make it any more simplistic than that, right? So, oh well, we must fight for stronger accountability and racial equity in our justice system. No, he's criminal. Panderfest, <laughs> it says, uh oh, this is Diane. Sorry, Kamala, you're disqualified. Panderfest rules prohibit competitors from libeling people. You know, lying about people and you just libeled officer Wilson by implying he's a murderer stick to Tupac and busing honey and better luck next time let's welcome Panderfest challenger number three Elizabeth Warren now Liz had a rough start to 2019 you know the DNA test the one 1024th uh Indian but she definitely wants to win it and here's what she said five years ago Michael Brown was murdered. Once again, libeling Officer Wilson. But she goes even farther than Kamala did. She says five years ago, Michael Brown was murdered by a white police officer in Ferguson, Missouri. Oh, that's see, now we've got to play the race card. Not only do we need to let you know that Michael Brown is black. But he was murdered by a Nazi Aryan white police officer. And he was unarmed. Yet he was shot six times. She says, I stand with activists and organizers who continue to fight for justice for Michael. We must confront systematic racism and police violence head on. It was not police violence, once again. A grand jury and the Department of Justice cleared Officer Wilson of any wrongdoing, but yet here is Elizabeth Warren, here is Kamala Harris out there libeling prof- uh, professor, police officer Wilson because he did his job. They would want you to believe that poor little Michael Brown was just walking down the street, and all of a sudden, Officer Wilson jumped out of his car and put six holes in him. You know, this is what they, you know, they think we live in a, they think we live in a bubble. The Democrat Party thinks you're dumb. We know what happened in Ferguson, Missouri. We know the resulting fallout and the riots and the burning and the crap and the Black Lives Matter that came to it, but God. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, these are Democrats running for president of the United States. Diane says, maybe instead of accusing a man who was cleared by a grand jury in the Obama Department of Justice of any wrongdoing, you should have just released an Instagram video where you say, hang a sec, I'm going to steal me some cigarellos. I mean, this was the Department of Justice under the Obama administration that found Officer Wilson not guilty of any crimes. Now, John Betts took to Twitter and he says, you know, the officer, Officer Wilson, who shot Michael Brown, was cleared of any wrongdoing. And Liz Warren knows this. In a sane world... Warren's depraved and unconscionable lying that is aimed at garnering her political power by sowing racial discord would cost her any chance at the presidency. I mean, she should be disqualified for being a nutball, right? I mean, she should be disqualified just for flat-out lying. Now, Elizabeth Warren is currently being sued for libeling the Covington Catholic boys. Does she really want another libel lawsuit for calling Darren Wilson a murderer? The lengths these Democrats are willing to go to gain power is crazy. They're intimidating private citizens who donate to Trump's reelection. They're slandering the president as a white supremacist, and they're bragging about it on Twitter. Elizabeth Warren, today I was asked whether the president is a white supremacist. I said yes. Now they're willing to libel an innocent man. And out, uh, out of all of it, it is pro- it's prompted by the same thing. You know, the thing is, the support among blacks and Hispanics for Donald Trump is higher than the Democrats are telling us. They're in freak-out mode. I mean, the left is absolutely freaking out by the fact that they are losing ground with these minorities with blacks, with Hispanics, with Asians, with women. You know, you see all these articles. Oh, the Republicans have a problem on their hands. They're losing suburban voters. This is all a bunch of crap. And you know what You know what we haven't seen yet either? And I said this the other day, these red flag laws. These red flag laws. You know, Trump said on Friday, you know, we're going to we have stricter background checks for guns. We're going to look at red flag laws. And I said this on Friday on WoWo up in Fort Wayne. And I said, give it time give it 24 48 hours. Let's see what happens. You know what you know what we have not heard about? It's Tuesday. You know what you know what we have not heard about yet? Red flag laws. We haven't heard about stricter background checks. And over time as we get farther from these mass shootings, all of this hysteria, all of this freak out dies down and we go back to what I would call normal. Now, Dianney says, I think there's a reason that Trump is a white supremacist. Talking points has been kicked up to spinal tap 11. And it's also why these morons are willing to rewrite history and claim that Michael Brown was murdered. If Democrats believed that 90 to 95 percent of the black vote is secure, they would not need to resort to this kind of slander and race mongering. This goes beyond Hillary's simple, simple, I can't, I carry hot sauce in my purse level pandering. These candidates for president are willing to lie, intimidate. Threaten, even rewrite history and libel an innocent man, all in hopes of gaining the black vote. That isn't just shameful, it's craven and perverse, and it stinks of desperation. Now, there's been some blowback on this. Former Missouri Dem lawmaker, retired officer blast Warren for tweet claiming Michael Brown was murdered. So, 2020 Democrat Senator Elizabeth Warren tweets Michael Brown was murdered. By a white police officer in Ferguson, Missouri, St. Louis Police Officers Association member Jeff Rorda responds, a former Missouri police officer and Democratic state lawmaker pushed back on Monday after the top presidential contender tweeted that Michael Brown, and he's talking about Warren, was murdered by a white police officer five years ago in the city of Ferguson. Former state rep Jeff Rorda, R-O-O-R-D-A, Rorda, who now heads the St. Louis Police Officers Association called Warren's comments offensive to every police officer in America. "Quote, Senator Warren is clinging to this false narrative. There's no reason to do that other than that it pays electoral dividends." Warren commemorated the 5-year anniversary of Brown's de- anniversary of Brown's death by writing on Twitter, and I and I read it to you. 5 years ago, Michael Brown was murdered by a white police officer in Ferguson, Missouri. Michael was unarmed, yet he was shot six times. I stand with activists and organizers who continue the fight for justice for Michael. We must confront systematic racism and police violence head on. Now, we all know the fatal shooting of Brown 18 by police officer Darren Wilson sparked mass protest in Ferguson and the creation of the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, we, we also know that both the grand jury and the Obama Justice Department later declined to bring charges against Wilson who had testified that he acted in self-defense. Now, the DOJ report stated there was no credible evidence that Wilson willfully shot Brown as he was attempting to surrender or was otherwise not posing a threat. Rortus said that Will, uh, that Warren is pandering, <laughs> panderfest 2019, to her supporters by continuing to claim Brown was murdered. He went on to say, I don't know what good purpose is served by extending this narrative that the Justice Department, the grand jury rejected flatly, Darren Wilson was acting in self-defense. It's really exhausting. I mean, we keep dealing, addressing the fantasy of this situation instead of the reality, and we just can't make any progress under those circumstances. Rortus said that villainizing Law enforcement is used by Democrats to get votes for minority communities. He argued they're only listening to protesters and excluding communities that want safety. He added Hillary Clinton lost the election to President Trump the minute she paraded the mothers of the movement out of the, on the stage at the Democrat National Convention. And if folks in my party don't figure out that this tired false narrative turns off voters, then they're not going to get the White House back. And if you'll remember... At the DNC in 16, eight mothers associated with the Black Lives Matter movement were invited to be up on stage with Hillary Clinton. It's nothing but pandering. It's nothing but a victimhood status voter block that the left is trying to relate to. It's sad. And, I, you know, five years now. I mean, time flies. Five years now, the anniversary of Michael Brown being shot and killed in Ferguson, Missouri, rightfully. Self-defense by Officer Darren Wilson. It's crazy. All right, before we move on here, great big favor, head over to verveforever.com. V-E-R-V-E, verveforever.com. If you use verve20, V-E-R-V-E, you are going to get 20% off of CBD oil. It's all the rage, guys. I mean, this CBD oil helps with muscle aches, sleeping, cramps, seizures, all kinds of things. I've heard stories of our men and women coming back from serving overseas. They go to the VA. They're jam-packed full of pharmaceuticals, 10, 12, 15 pills a day. They start taking this CBD, and they knock those pills down by 50, 60, 70, 80%. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I can't tell you if CBD oil is right for you. But you can check it out, see if it'll work. I've heard a lot of people say it works great. And the thing that Verve does different, they do their potency of their CBD by the milligram, not the milliliter. So you get a more potent CBD oil that is going to help you feel better. They make it for dogs. They have a veteran line. They have creams that you can rub onto your joints, your back, your elbows, whatever, to make it feel good. Head over to VerveForever.com, V-E-R-V-E, Forever.com. Use Verve20, V-E-R-V-E, and you'll get 20% off today. VerveForever.com. Do it now. All right. (laughs) Donald Trump is back at it again. And I love this because this is what should be done. These are the things that we should be doing. Public charge, self-sufficient immigrants, proficient in English, favored for green cards. Shouldn't that be the case? Now here comes, here come the screams of, oh my God, that's racist. That's whatever. Uh, White supremacist, white nationalist, whatever you want to call it, during a press conference on Monday, acting United States Citizenship and Immigration Services Director Ken Cuccinelli said the Trump administration will establish what is known as the public charge rule, a regulation whereby legal immigrants, legal, would be less likely to secure a permanent residency in the U.S. if they have used any forms of welfare in the past, including using subsidized healthcare services, food stamps, and public housing. I want you to think about this. This is green cards. And there's a lot of people that get green cards. I deal with it. My I know my wife deals with it in her HR job. You can get a green card to work for a, a, a an industry, a company here in the United States. It happens a lot. But if you'll remember when when you know immigrants first started immigrating to America and you came through Ellis Island, you had to have someone vouch for you. So you had to have someone give you a a reference. You had to be of good health, and you had to have some ways or some kind of occupation or something that you could do that would not allow you to live off the government dole. Now we're back to that. These immigrants subject to the rule are technically mostly non-immigrants in the U.S. and foreign nationals, including illegal aliens seeking to adjust their immigration status, temporary foreign guest workers wanting a green card, and foreign nationals looking to be sponsored for a green card by their employer or U.S.-based relative. The rule will take into account a number of negative and positive factors when assessing an immigrant's qualification for that green card. Among the positive factors that will help secure a green card for an immigrant is their ability to speak English. We are Amer- I don't know why this is such a hard deal, really. Why is this such a hard deal? I speak English. You speak English. We're Americans. English is the native language of America. I don't have any problem with you, you know, celebrating your heritage. Your culture. I mean, if you're Hispanic, if you're Asian, if you're Italian, if you're, I don't know, Russian, it doesn't matter to me. But if you're in America, you should speak English. I can remember my ex-wife and I went on a cruise way, way, way back in time over to Rome. And we had a Mediterranean cruise for 12 days. I won it when I was at uh, when I was selling insurance. And we were in a shop in Rome. And I went in there, and I didn't speak the language. I don't know whether they speak Italian, maybe. I don't know. You know, I don't even know what language they speak in Rome anymore. That's how stupid I am. I go into the shop, and we're shopping around, and I say, you know, hey, I got a question. Do you speak English? And then the guy started pointing at the door. He kicked us out because we didn't speak the native tongue. Now, mind you, do that here. You know, I see it all the time down here in Texas. You see people speaking Spanish on a regular basis. It's amazing. And everybody gets their panties all in a wad because you just may have to say, well, you know what, maybe you should speak English because you're in America. I mean, I don't find that offensive. Learn the language. If I'm going to go live in China, I'm going to learn how to speak Chinese. My good friend, Chef Patrick Moser. By the way, I talked to Chef Patrick yesterday on the phone. He is in for Beer for Brunch Friday. So we're going to do Beer for Brunch Fridays. I don't know if it's going to be this Friday, but it it's going to be at least next Friday. And then there on because we're just going to talk, you know, man stuff and drink beer and act like we're cool kind of stuff. But Chef Patrick can speak Japanese. He lived in Japan. He can speak German. He lived in Germany. He can speak English. I mean, that's what you should do, right? He's a wildly entertaining guy as well. I love Chef Patrick. He is a great dude. Love the Beer for Brunch Fridays. We're going to try to keep – we're, we're going to we're gonna do that. I just don't know if it's going to be this Friday or if we're going to start it next. But, uh, you know, when you go live overseas, shouldn't you try to learn the language? Because, see, now you've got these immigrants coming into America, and they're saying, you know what, F you. I don't want to learn your language. I don't want to assimilate to your culture. I'm just going to come do me. And you give me all the free stuff, and here we go. And I don't care what you think, but don't you dare offend me. Don't you dare offend me. It's amazing how we do this, right? So this thing is all based on whether or not you have the ability to speak English. It says, quote, DHS will consider whether the alien is proficient in English or proficient in in other languages in addition to English as part of the public charge in determination, the regulation states. People who spoke a language other than English at home were less likely to be employed and less likely to find full-time work when employed. Now, I want you to think about this. This is crazy about this article. Today, there are roughly 65 million U.S. residents speaking a foreign language at home. Sixty-five million. Out of 330 million citizens in the United States, you do the math real quick, that's about 20%. In the nation's largest cities, New York City, Houston, Los Angeles, Chicago, and Phoenix, nearly half of the residents speak a foreign language at home. In Los Angeles alone, almost one in six residents speak a foreign language at home. Self-sufficiency is similarly a positive factor that will make an immigrant more likely to secure a green card over those who are reliant on welfare and deemed a public charge. Now it says, quote, the ability of the alien to earn sufficient income to pay for basic living needs, food, housing, health care, as evidenced or impacted by, for example, the alien's age, health work history, current employment status, future employment prospects, education, and skills will be considered in weighing whether an immigrant is approved for a green card according to the regulation. The enactment of the public charge comes after Trump signed an order set to begin in September that does what? Enforces existing 1996 laws signed into statute by then-President Bill Clinton. So, you know the blowback. You, you know what it's going to be. I mean, seriously, you know what the blowback is going to be here. Oh, that racist Trump. Oh, look at Trump. He just, he just, he's a big mean guy. He's a bad orange man. Look what he's trying to do. He just doesn't like these people. He's just enforcing existing laws that were put on the books by one Bill Clinton. It was okay when Bill Clinton did it. You never heard anybody on the left say anything then. But, oh, it's Trump now. The order maintains that a family member or business sponsor of a legal immigrant looking to permanently resettle in the U.S. is responsible for paying back the welfare costs previously used by that immigrant. For example, if a visa holder has used 10000 in food stamp benefits while living in the U.S., when a family member sponsors them for a green card, that family member will be notified of the legal immigrant's welfare cost to taxpayers and will be obligated to pay back the amount. If the sponsor of a legal immigrant does not pay the welfare cost, the Treasury Offset Program will take the money out of the sponsor's taxes for that year. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's going to piss a lot of people off right there. That is going to make people mad. They, they, you know, when it comes to taxes, when it comes to paying back, oh, that bully president, oh, my, look at him. He's such a bully. He's going to bully these people into paying. What do you think we do? I mean, seriously, what do you think the American citizen does? We pay taxes every year, way too many taxes. I mean, I pay my taxes quarterly because I'm self-employed. It's ridiculous. If you did too, you would know it. Uh, The order also ensures that the personal income of a legal immigrant sponsor is taken into consideration when a legal immigrant is applying for federal welfare. Currently, only the income of legal immigrants is considered by federal agencies when applying for public benefits. Under the rules set out by Clinton's 1996 law, the Trump administration will make certain that the income of both the legal immigrant and their sponsor is considered when applying for benefits. Now, the majority of more than 1.5 million foreign nationals entering the country every year use about 57% more food stamps than the average native-born American household. 57%. Overall, illegal and legal immigrant households consume 33% more cash welfare than American citizen households and 44% more in Medicaid dollars. This straining of public services by a booming forty four point five million foreign born population translates to the average immigrant household costing American taxpayers about six thousand two hundred and thirty four dollars in federal welfare. Now, the crazy thing about this, here's some more stats on this. This regulation, and this is what's this is what's amazing about this. This regulation will be a boon for American taxpayers. Because we're footing the bill. That's the thing. We're footing the bill for these immigrants, dependent on welfare. So the regulation will be a boon for American taxpayers in the form of an annual $57.4 billion tax cut. Now, you may say, Matlock, $57 billion. That's just a drop in a bucket of the $3.7 trillion budget. But we always talk about cutting expenses. And then when we want to go cut expenses, oh, our bleeding hearts. Oh, well, these people. Oh we can't do it you ever notice that and that'll be the left strategy oh my god trump's so ruthless he's so mean-hearted he's gonna let these poor people live on the streets and suffer you know what we got veterans living on the streets currently we got people who are homeless in this country that are american and we're worried about getting these immigrants welfare that's the left They want to give these illegal aliens citizenship. They want them to be able to vote. They want to give them welfare. They want to give these green card people welfare. We are not the welfare state. We're not. We're the land of the free, the home of the brave, the American dream. If you want to come here and pursue your American dream, by all means, we will welcome you with open arms. Just work. Get off your lazy ass. And work because we're paying $57.4 billion. The amount taxpayers spend every year on paying for the welfare, crime, schooling costs of the, the country's mass importation of 1.5 million new, mostly low skilled legal immigrants. The National Academies of Science released a report two years ago noting that state and local American taxpayers are billed about $1,600 each year per immigrant to pay for their welfare where immigrant households consume 33% more cash welfare than American citizen households. A recent Center for Immigration Studies studies study, gee, say that fast, a recent Center for Immigration Studies study noted that about 63% of non-citizen households in the U.S. use at least one form of taxpayer-funded welfare, while only about 35% of native-born American households are on welfare. This, while only, means that non-citizen households use nearly twice as much as native-born American households. And in California, the land of the fruits and the nuts, with the largest non-citizen population in the country at almost 11 million, or nearly 30% of the state's total population, more than seven in ten, or 72% of households headed by non-citizens are on at least one form of welfare. See, once again, if you look at this, and I could go through all these stats. I mean, there's there's probably more. Uh, it says preventing Americans from being forced to foot the bill for welfare for newly arrived legal immigrants is hugely popular. Among U.S. voters, a Rasmussen Reports poll conducted in 17 revealed that more than six in 10 or 62 percent said they would support a plan that bans legal immigrants from receiving welfare for at least the first five years. Roughly 67 percent of swing voters and nearly 60 percent of black Americans say they support such a plan. Another 76 percent of U.S. voters said welfare users should be mandated to prove that they are not in the country illegally before being allowed to obtain public benefits, including 74 percent of black Americans, 77 percent of swing voters and 60 percent three percent of democrat voters no one likes it absolutely no one likes it and should we continue to give these people free things hell no we should not why should we we work hard for our money shouldn't they be willing to work hard too we'll see what happens on this the left's gonna cry wolf you know what's coming just pay attention all right got one more thing i got one more topic to cover here do me a quick favor head over to combatflipflops.com it's hot It is hot in Fort Worth, Texas. It is going to be 103 degrees today in Fort Worth. Heat index of 110 or 11. Chad Prather on social media last night said, Jesus turned the thermostat in Texas up to cremate. And he's not wrong. But you know what? My feet, they're not hot. I'm running around on my combat flip-flops, my flopperator coyotes. And now combat flip-flops has the zero rise. Flop operators. If you get over to CombatFlipFlops.com, if you use LOCK25, L-O-C-K-E, 25, you're going to get 25% off of your flip-flops today. I'm telling you, they're fantastic flip-flops. That's all I wear in the summer is flip-flops. I love them. CombatFlipFlops.com, LOCK25, L-O-C-K-E. they got a good mission. I mean, they give a little bit of money back to Afghanistan women to educate them because they believe that education is going to stop war. They're bad for running, worse for fighting is their motto. So head over to CombatFlipFlops.com. Use LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, 2-5, to get you 25% off those flip-flops today. CombatFlipFlops.com, LOCK25. Do it now. All right. Final thing to cover today. I've got a little montage here of one Joe Biden in all of these gaffes. The left's getting a little bit antsy about what's going on with Joe Biden. I want you to take a second Listen to this, and uh, we'll get right back after it.
1: We have this notion that somehow, if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids, wealthy kids, black kids, Asian kids. Not really need, but think how we think about it. Division. We choose science over fiction, we choose truth over facts. And so, folks, if you're interested, join me. I could use the help. I want to thank uh, uh, Rich Fitzgerald, the county executive for Allegheny County. Executive for being here and all my time in public life from I've gotten involved. The country wasn't built by Wall Street bankers, CEOs, and hedge, and hedge fund managers. If the enterprise hit hard times, everybody took a hit. Union workers, the UAW, took incredible cuts in their future and their and their pensions and the left to get gm working they also got that last year and try to cut wages or freeze wages for the people right today the same is happening in big hospital in big hospital systems i think we have to rethink look i, I was anyway well by the way i i did i understand uh, Mm-hmm. yeah it's it, what we haven't there's so much more work to do to figure out how the the one important thing i know well I I, I I tell you what the deal was. I, I did not, um, that um, what, what I didn't want to do, and, and I, I, I didn't want to quote invader space. I didn't mm-hmm. want to get in the situation where this became, and then I went when I heard all this about the, and it was legitimate, expecting a call every time mm-hmm. the phone rang. Why we, And so I, I, I spoke to some uh leading women advocates in this area who someone newer well but but um i'm sorry the way she got treated in terms of i never heard say if you go back and look what i said and didn't say how we define what constitutes a a successful economy folks in america don't think their children are gonna have the same standard of living they had how can a person dignity be maintained be so, uh, why Why they do that? It means investing much more in medical research to conquer to conquer devastating diseases like cancer and addiction and all... What would happen with you in this no, present? No, but everybody knows who this guy is. Come on, man. Come on, man. I'm looking forward to this, man. Come here, man. Hey, man. So, like, for example, uh, I actually thought in my head when I walked out here. I mean, do I... I know. It's, We're friends. It's I tricky. Hug no, I, but... but I should be able to read better, but I have never in my life done anything in approaching a woman that has been, other than trying to bring solid, I'm used to, like one of your staff was, I'm used to, I think it's really important we listen, whether I sit down next to somebody and it's not invited to be, to, to sit down. So that's my responsibility. I have to be more, more aware and it's totally legitimate. But I, okay. but anyway, I I think it's legitimate, and I think it is. Uh, and to to, to, to anyone, I, but I don't think anyone's ever said, "Well, look, I, I I'm I'm really sorry if they, sorry I invaded your space. I mean, I, I and I I'm sorry this happened.
0: I'm sorry this happened. Listen to that gaff I mean, the guy can't put three sentences together. Can't speak clearly. Talks about, oh, well, truth and facts, or, you know, black kids are dumb because they're not white, or whatever it may be. Joe Biden's string of gaffes is raising questions among Democrats about his ability to beat President Trump in 2020. Biden made headlines three times last week. By misspeaking over the weekend, he mistakenly said he had met as vice president with students from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. That was in 2018, by the way. The vice president was Mike Pence. He says, quote, this is Biden, those kids in Parkland came to see me when I was vice president. <laughs> that blunder followed another two days earlier when Biden, 76, told an audience of Asian and Hispanic voters that poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Biden later told reporters he botched the comment he delivered many times and meant to say, wealthy kids. He says, on the spot, I explained it. At that very second, I explained it. And so the fact of the matter is that I don't think anybody thinks that I meant anything other than what I meant uh, earlier that day. Biden also declared in a speech at the Iowa State Fair, we choose science over fiction. We used, we choose Truth over facts. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not a doctor. Don't play one on television. There's something going on with Joe Biden. I, I mean, this is not normal behavior from an adult. He has a hard time putting his word. You know, sometimes people misspeak. I mean, President Trump has misspoken. It happens. I'm willing to give passes here and there. I mean, he's out there. He's talking. There's a lot of things he needs to say. He may have notes. He may not. I don't know. But I'll give him a pass for, you know, one or two of these deals because, you know, sometimes you just get in a hurry. I do. I get in a hurry and I'll misspeak. Yesterday. I went back and listened to the program. And thank you for downloading it and all the things you did yesterday. But I misspoke about scarsandstripescoffee.com. In the live ad read yesterday in the show, if you listen to it the final time, I said scarsandstripes.com. And it's scarsandstripescoffee.com. So we misspeak. We're all human. You know, he's under, he's 76 years old. I want you to think about that for one second. 76. Six years old. He's at the end of his life. Seriously, you know the average age for a man to live here in the United States is about what? Eighty, maybe eighty-two. I mean, he's getting to the end of the road, and it comes for us all. We're all, you know, there's two things in life that are guaranteed: death and taxes. (laughs) And, And you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm not trying to be anything other than truthful. Joe Biden's got some mental. Health issues, I believe, going on. Is it dementia? Is it Alzheimer's? I don't know. My grandmother had dementia. Holy cow. One minute, she could be coherent. The next minute, she didn't know where the hell she was at. It was crazy. It's a terrible disease. It took her early. She was only like, I don't know, late 60s, early 70s. It's not a very, it's not a good disease. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, the left ought to be worried. Because what's going on currently, the media is trying to foist upon them one Joe Biden. They're trying to make Joe Biden their guy. The moderates, they want to keep that new Green Deal wing, the Socialist Party, the Warrens, the the Sanders, all the others, the AOC Democrats. They're trying to keep them at bay. So they think Biden is the savior. Unfortunately, he's not. He's not. And, and, And I don't think he's up for the challenge. I don't think he wanted to run. And I think that's why I'm hearing stories now that Biden did or uh, Biden, now Obama didn't even like him. They just used him because they needed him to be the senior, elder, uh, experienced guy to go along with the young black president. I don't even think they liked him. And as you look at all the gaffes over the years, they're probably sitting there thinking, holy cow. And then I heard yesterday some people saying, you know what? I don't think we're at the end of this deal. I don't think we're at the end of this for what's going to happen with other candidates getting into the race. There may be more. I'm telling you, Michelle Obama, Bloomberg, maybe a celebrity. We just don't know. But mark my words, there are going to be other candidates that jump into this presidential race. All right, that's it. Head over to the thematlockshow.com, L-O-C-K-E. Go over to Spreaker. Follow me, if you will, The Matlock Show. Go tweet, follow, share, do everything you can do. That's it for The Matlock Show today. Tune in tomorrow. But for now, Matlock out. The holidays are on at Old Navy, where all jeans, all pants, all sweaters, and all outerwear are on sale up to 50% off now. Jeans start at just $15 bucks for adults, $10 bucks for kids. All the looks you love, even this season's must-have plaid styles are on sale. Plus, get fashion in a flash. Buy online, pick up in-store for free today in just two hours. Hurry in for up to 50% off all jeans, pants, sweaters, and outerwear at
1: Navy Navy.com. Valid 11 to 11 excludes in-store clearance.